namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa uddhang namang sanghang namasami So a thought just came to mind um, these two aspects of the path the um, path and fruit aspects of the practice path and fruit <coughs> so doing 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 the practice doing the work skillful karma and then tasting realizing the fruit Patipati is the practice, and Pativedi the realization. Sometimes learning and libera- learning and liberation. So it's kind of way of looking at it. Just to recognise that um, you know, there's the doing the work. There's also the ability to sit back, if you like, and and be still and just con- just notice, feel out, have a place of rest. Mm. Because the you know, fruition is is a resting, and uh, in terms of the way we practice, always we have to practice with that acknowledgement. Oh, there's also a place of rest has to be you know acknowledged, has to be touched into. It doesn't have to be you know saying that this is this is all I've I've done all all the work I need to do, but also well I've done some work. Mm. You know. Let's have a look, you know, like done, built something. Let's have a look, step back, and to get that ability to be content um, with, you know, a job that isn't finished, but to say, well, some good work has been done, um, and to appreciate that. Mm. And it's also to appreciate, and it's a little subtler, the very quality of rest. And what's present when when the when the awareness is resting, not particularly driven forward or pushed back or distracted, but clear and present, just that rested quality. What's that? Mm-hmm. So, in terms of our energies, there's the energy which is about exertion or stretching or lifting up, inspiration, devotion, perseverance, there's the energy which is also just about gathering or stabilizing, like the sense of the energy of presence, Mm. we are balanced, it's rather like the example of the headstand I've been using 
energy that, that is necessary to build up the skills and to come into that position then just the energy that's about just being there in that state of poise and aware of where of the whole body and feeling that out mm. not doing anything but being prepared to do something with something necessary like you feel yourself tipping over but gradually as you get more skilled at it there's less and less to do it's just main but still one isn't you know, completely relaxed in a kind of collapsed sense. We're not in a casual state, and yet there's no real effort. Mm. And yet there is this ongoing vigilance. Mm. So just to kind of take an image like that and mull it over. So in every aspect of the path to kind of cultivate in that way the path simply speaking is sila um, <coughs> which deals with our <coughs> external activities samadhi which deals with our internal activities the mind and banya which deals with the uh, dismantling or the understanding of activities and the cessation of activities the resting from activity mm. now the way it's karma and the end of karma is the the uh, is that things we do how we the sila we come out of the <coughs> just careless activity into activity that's imbued with a sense of care respect for oneself and respect for others and respect for beings it has that quality to it it's, it's a, a fragrance, beauty to it because it's imbued with a sense of care and respect um, and then we can kind of contemplate that it's that very heart that is virtuous that, that unfolds in that way right? that sensitivity that unfolds like that just as something that's a beautiful thing in itself and you, one recognises in, in cultivating sila then it's like you know you, you appreciate you know, the sense of cause and effect more clearly you have to kind of in a way step back from activities that one is careless about or not really looking at very closely you know, killing creatures, swatting flies uh, being careless in one's speech, saying things that aren't really true saying things that are abusive or uh, belittling in some way or another abrasive, intoxicating the mind or stupefying it in some way or another to get away from the confusions or pains of life or the boredom of it you know we can see how something in us uh, finds takes an easy way out in, in that way you know like something's irritating I'll just kill it <laughs> somebody give me a hard time just tell them to shove off or whatever you know and uh you know, I don't feel so good. Well, have a have a shot of something, have a hit of something. You know, 
calm me down, brighten me up. It's, get this sense of which we don't want to be with that, so you get the, with the difficulty. So we, you know, we act in these ways, and this kind of the needle of um, frustration or disappointment or irritation, the needle causes to jump, and react, and in this reactivity of, of unskillful action. Sometimes it's just because one's bored or doesn't know any else. But then when we actually begin to step back and open up, we think, well, the results of this, oof, you know, for a start, results where it's difficult to actually find a place to step back because the mind feels so uneven and, uh, and restless. And, re- and and broken up, but if we can say, well, you know, there is a, there is a way out of this. Just you know, step back a little bit and appreciate that one at least is acknowledging, oh, this is unskillful. Then, okay, now we know it's unskillful. Just to determine to put that aside. You know. And in that very act of acknowledgement and determination, there's a little kind of one's coming out of the of the prison of that, of the grimness of of, of unskillful behaviour. You know, something in us is honourable, something in us is conscientious, something in us is there's still a light there. So that you know, coming out of the feeling of damnation or guilt or recrimination about unskillful action, and say there's there is a light. You know, we we can come out. We can any moment say this was unskillful of me. I acknowledge that. Then well, what's that that does that? Mm. It's not trying to cover up the past. It's not beating ourselves up. But just that it comes to a state of there's a kind of quality of rest. Of mm, okay. And in that, you know, that right view is in is a certain degree of of fruition. Of, of, uh, of understanding on one level. Yeah. So whenever, whatever mistakes we make, they're g- gross or, or slight, just to see there's the action, but the action, unskillful action, and then there's a the stopping of action, and then there's the applying correct action. And to recognise that apart from applying correct action, skillful karma, also just there is that moment of which is about the, the the arrest of action. So we don't get into blaming or justifying, excusing, or you know, okay, what's that that can do that? And when we uh, so come to meditation, it's like meditation is instead of the sense of as with sila, when we you know, we we try to find easy ways out through carelessness of action in med- meditation, we uh, and we check that with with good sila. And we come through that through realization. With meditation, you recognize as a that which wants, wants to distract. 
you know, not be present, not be clear, but just burrow into some interesting feeling or mood, get off on it, or whatever. Or sometimes just get burrowed into into obsessive stuff. And the results of that are that we burrow also into uns- into difficult things, the burrowing habit. Once you get into it, you burrow, one bl- burrows into pleasure, but then also, also burrows into regret and doubt and resentment and aversion and guilt. <laughs> so if you, you know, if you do burrowing, you, you know, one kind of burrowing will take you to the other kind of burrowing, the, 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 the rabbit warren, you know, <laughs> the, the tunnels do link up. So it's about not burrowing, you know, and it's about that sense of, of really finding a way of, of getting a sense of perspective on moods, aramanas, moods, mental moods, what the mind rests upon or, or fondles, what it snuggles up to, what it accompanies, what it carries with it, and being able to, you know, release the carrying of moods, perceptions, feelings, impressions, and so on. Mm. And so, this is meditation, and for this we we have to work with uh, the difficult, um, subtle process of bonding our awareness to moods that arise purely from, you know, um, from a place of purity, as the ordinariness of the body, without doing anything special with it. You're breathing in and out, and going into the very um, awareness of that. So becoming much more into the present moment, rather than just um, fondling or obsessing. It's about this kind of sense of dispassionate clarity around the moods and feelings and uh, choosing a particular set of moods, uh, moods of, of um, ease, the moods associated with something that's steadying and calming and the perceptions of brightness of warmth, of subtle body, of breathing in and out, of space, of loving-kindness, of relinquishment. Mm. These kind of, this is our, our, our language in meditation. This is what we work with. And then being able to also do do that kind of work, but then that is to step back. Come out of it. So even the most uh, refined states of meditation which the Buddha summarized as the as these uh, four absorptions. And the the fifth factor is the ability to step back from them, 
So you have the, the qualities of absorption, that is one has actually um, cultivated and dwelt in a, a um, skillful mind state based upon presence, based upon awareness, based upon relinquishment, based upon clarity and calm. And then we step back from that. What what did this? You know, what did that work? What receives it? You know, what's watching this? What's where does this land? Whose is this? If you like, it's that kind of way of coming out. And these are not these are not necessarily verbalized questions. But it's that sense of just kind of opening up to the to the whole experience in a in a much more balanced or uh, whole quality of awareness mm-hmm. it's kind of rested it's a state of some some sense of ease and and the um, quality of activity of any kind subsides So we can use things like breathing in and out, the elements of the body, uh, loving kindness, depending on which particular uh, moods, mind states, mental activities, inner, inner processes where we want to deal with, or we need to deal with, mm. which, which gives us the, unlocks them, from unlocks us from the unskillful mental states, distraction, obsession, getting stuck. Getting stuck in things that keep dragging us towards objects and futures and pasts and what I should be and what I could be and all that. This is what the inward, inner, inner activity is about, isn't it? It's about trying to become something or another, trying to get away from something or another, trying to have something this kind of object seeking our, this inner just as the outward activity of our lives is kind of looking for you know, place to live food and so forth you know, people, kind of out, inner active of our lives looking for some inner object happy, happy state pleasurable state something to kind of burrow into um, and then as it as we're trying to do that, then just like when we're looking for things in the outside world, we get frustrated by things that get in our way. And we get angry or restless or disappointed or fed up with ourselves, you know. In, in inward work, it's the same kind of thing. One's looking for the, the peaceful space, the happy state. And, oh, what is this? Oh, oh, I can't do this. You know, that kind of sense. A lot of meditation has got that mark that quality to it, isn't it? It's about that feeling of, you know, oh, it's getting good, and oh, I can't do, do that. I'm nearly there. I'm nearly, oh, no, oh, no. A little bit, well, perhaps I should do, no, wait a minute. Oh, oh lost it again. You know, it can be like that, can't it? <coughs> you know, the difficulties of, of meditation. Mm-hmm. And so, so often the you know the advice that's needed on top of whatever scene we're we're attuning to is 
just take it a moment at a time you know you know, it's just like when you're doing some work, you can't, yeah, there's a, there's a, big, there's a big thing to be done, but you've really got to get your eye on the end of the chisel, and just right there. You know, you can't think too much about carving the whole statue or that. You've got that in mind. But really, if you think about that, you end up, you know, taking your eye off the line it needs to be on. If you keep with that, with the general aim, and the quality and the very quality of aiming you know so if I'm trying to carve a Buddha image I've got a you know big idea in my mind of the Buddha image I'm thinking of that I'm likely to split the wood because I've got to respect not just the idea of the Buddha image but the wood that I'm working with or what the chisel is like how sharp it is if I've sharpened it properly if the wood is knotted or it's subject to splitting or if I strike it too hard, or if I don't strike it firmly enough. Mm. So eventually, you know, the whole you know, act of carving the Buddha image is the Buddha. <laughs> and it's in the very doing of it is the quality of the real calm, the clarity, the, the moment of the time, the adroitness, you know. Eventually we don't even think about the Buddha image anymore. We just you know just right there with what we're doing and it, it kind of it happens by itself you know there's been the general sense of that and the general aspiration and then we just come to taking it a moment at a time and not just what am I doing but how am I doing it am I ch- hacking and chopping am I letting the tools get blunt am I working too trying to work too fast am I not am I working too slow and it's in the very quality of the skillfulness of the work that the, the beauty of the meditation can be experienced. Even when we haven't completed the work, you get that sense of being able to get to the appreciating the beauty right now, you know, of, of the work. And there's a state of rest in that, and there's a state of, um, you know, Without saying that you know, everything's all we've all t- done all the work, and yet we can also appreciate what is it that can rest, stop fretting. Mm-hmm. And yet, of course, um, rest is not relaxation in in the way that an un unskillful person might think it to be like oh just don't bother anymore or collapse or distract yourself but it's about being able to rest in the present moment and what is it that does that what does it feel like what happens I get to my mind I get a sense of silence and an openness thoughts has to stop and I'm trying to stop the thought but because I'm really just want to see it it has to stop there's no room for it it's you know the focus is so present that thought hasn't got anything to do so it stops 
and there's a sort of um, kind of resonance there. And that might be something that's, um, you know, has a, a moment to it, or a more sustained period of time. But depending on on other factors, so after a while it might be, you know, okay, it's time to get to work again. Things, are, waves are coming up, you know, things are not completed, and then we work again. You know, realize it's like breathing in and breathing out, and the pauses in between those. A lot of it is just that find getting into rhythm, finding the place where it's breathing out, finding the place where it stops, and then, okay, here we are, new breath, start again. And that rhythmic quality, that sense of it, is that which keeps us going. Because it's all going to be all breathing in or breathing out, it's going to be a gasp. And yet the flow of them is what uh, keeps us alive and keeps them getting mesmerized in, in the activity of meditation which is a skillful activity of course, but it is an activity an activity is one way of expressing what this sankara word means and so talked about this before sankara is both activity and the results of activity and there's three primarily or three channels for that the body has its activity which is its own breathing its pulsing its sensitivity its awareness of itself its embodied energy you know it's all that and it it, it and there's a result of that you know it manifests the body stays alive it heals itself it digests it breathes in and out uh, you cut it and it, it it mends itself and it grows and it sprouts ears and hair and nails and teeth and all kinds of interesting things and that's what it does and that's its activity to do that and it can reproduce in other bodies which is the whole purpose of having one from the body point of view anyway So that's a sankara, all of that. There is, if you like, the, the, the potential and the results of that potential. And all the stuff that goes on around that, you know, the eating and um, seeking shelter and um, sexual activity, these kinds of normal bodily activities. All that is sankara. Keeps going, doesn't it? Never gets but you realise you never really get to the end of it. The body just keeps doing that till it starts to you know, break down. It never gets to the point where it says, Oh that's enough, right? I've grown enough hair, that's it. You know, breathing in and out enough for this lifetime. I've done all my work, sit back and enjoy it now. No, it says another one, another meal. <laughs> So it's like it just goes on and on and on, and it conks out. You know, that's what it. So there's a certain limitation, we might say. <laughs> Similarly, that 
jitta sankara is the heart energy, which is is the activities of that which activate the heart, the perceptions, the meanings, the feelings. We feel something, we get a little burst of pleasure or pain, and meanings. So get meanings of things. Oh, that was nice. That was a pretty flower. That was a lovely meal. That was an enjoyable. This, that, or the other. These are kind of these are the meanings we place upon things. And you, so that it sets us going, doesn't it? I'll have another one of those. Um, well, I didn't think much of that. How can I, you know? So it'd be like that, and so it goes. It goes on and on and on. If you've noticed, once you had one pleasant feeling, the mind doesn't say, "Well, that's it. I've had a pleasant feeling. Enough of feeling for now." No, I want another one. Or here comes a painful feeling. Or this is getting rather boring. So it just keeps doing it. It doesn't find a place of rest in that. This is the nature of citta sankara heart formation. And it's working all the time, doing all this. And uh, Raji Sankara, which is the the potential for articulation and and mental conceiving. You know, human beings, literate, scientific, intelligent philosophers, can't stop thinking. We're still thinking. There's an, it seems to be an inexhaustible um, thirst for knowledge. And I think in you know maybe in the 10th century, everything that could be known, you could have put into a, certainly, you know, all this this room would have been ample for all the knowledge in the world. Mm. Now, all that could be known. Now, you know, you, you, know, you put it on micro disk <laughs> or on computer, you probably couldn't put it in this room. It's huge. And of course, you know, it never gets to the end of what can be conceived by how many how many sli- times can you slice the air? It's like, it's just, you can slice it thinner and thinner and thinner. You're still doing that, conceiving and defining and in sub- conceiving and defining concepts and defining the definitions of concepts and so on and juggling and permutating and synthesizing and analyzing and cross-referencing and so forth. So it just goes on like that. And judging evaluating it or cataloguing it. Uh, and Agarika here, who's time ago, who when he was a lay person, his whole thing had been some incredible librarianship. It wasn't I thought a librarian must be reading books, mustn't it? Like Robinson Crusoe and Treasure Island and things like that. And he says this incredible task of cataloguing particular metric patterns in the Harley, Cannon. Wasn't you, you looked at his work, it was just complete gibberish. There was no actual words in it, it was all just you know, codes of of that. Wow. Um, so this is this is what our life is human life is about. <laughs> On, this, on the level of Sankara. <laughs> and so all this is, Sankara is what are the 
karma formations and there's an energy, the push to, to do which is called volition, which is a big part of sankara, the push to do and to make can be the push to destroy, you know, to get rid of, change, effect, it's the agents of attention so attention is something that creates an object for us so you know if the eyes are unfocused you get a kind of blur of light but you notice how there's a kind of something that wants to pull in and focus on something or the other and because this is happening all the time we probably most of us would not recognize that's an activity because all that happens is we just get one object of attention, another object of attention, another object of attention, and you don't actually recognize that attention itself is an activity because it's happening all the time. You can recognize it changes. You know, you were listening and then you felt a feeling in your foot, and then, you know, you remembered something you said yesterday, and then your eyes caught up with something else, and then you focused right in on it because it's really interesting. You saw the detail, and then you pulled back. You know, all that. Doing, doing all that, and it flickers around this sensory and conceptual world. There's attention. So these three, attention, intention, and contact, are the sankhara, the way they operate, and they operate together. So you see, so you, you get a contact, some kind of contact impression arises. There is, if you like, a, a basic instinct to find and to have so it seeks contact impressions what's happening, where am I, what's going on, what's that feel like what's the feeling of that, that's the heart's interest and then something you touch and then you've, there's a focusing in on that and a picking it up and there it is, an object you know? so you might notice if you, in the, when you come out of sleep example is kind of coming to the very first few seconds where you slip out of one reality into the, another reality and it's just this sort of hovering as that the waking reality is formulated oh, alright, here we are and it's, oh, yeah, it's four o'clock oh, it's time to get up, it's morning, it's Friday it's, oh yeah, this is it you know, it all kind of crystallizes and then the perceptions start going. It's a cold day, I feel like this, I don't want this, I want that. You know. So out of, out of objects, out of their being created objects, then the perceptions and the feelings get going that stimulate the heart to seek another object. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I feel like, oh, get up, Oof, you know, have a cup of tea or a cup of coffee or something, you know, pull myself together, that would be nice and, oh, better have a shower, whatever, you know, you get looking for the pleasant state comes around, that kind of instinct, searching for particular objects, the taste object, uh, tactile object, uh, mental object. So that's, that's the going on of it all. If there were no objects, what would there be to seek? If there were nothing 
no object of the ta- of the tongue, eye, ear, nose, body, or mind. What would there be to seek? You know. So a lot of our practice is about recognizing, you know, even in whatever object arises, that it has the nature to pass, to change. A thought, a taste, a sight, any object has the nature to swell up, to come into, to be formulated. It doesn't just walk in through the door. Also, something just formulates it. Something comes in the door. Oh, there's Joe. It's just a blur in the dark, and then then whatever you what do you think about Joe comes up. Well, the perceptions and moods come up. So objects are not something that have an independent existence. They are, you know, they're formulated through, you know intimately through the sense of contact being made and then the formulating what that is and that happens through my own nervous system through my consciousness does that and neither is it saying that uh, objects are all just made up in my mind but they're dependently arisen there's something and there it but the, the something enters me is made into something by internal activity so this is kind of dependent arising like that and so this continual activity of formulating objects and that, that arise and subside and the hunger for the next object keeps us moving into the future so you're, you're the drive that's what intention is that driving to the next, to the next, to the next. And attention keeps saying, here, have this, here, have this, here, have this. It's like the carrot in front of the donkey. You know, so you run a little further. It's funny, the carrot keeps moving because the carrot is strapped to the donkey. <laughs> so you never, you get a little nibble now and then, but then it keeps moving on. Of course, it's more complex now because the carrot keeps get changing. So we don't recognize it's, it's the same kind of experience. Now, ordinarily, you know, the process, this is a process of karma, a- action, and cause and effect. And ordinarily, all we, thi- all we assume we can do is get the best carrots going and have a bite two bites if possible for a little while what else can you do that's all there is it's just carrots and donkeys <laughs> and there's different kinds of carrots so very refined carrots yeah. Mozart and, and uh, Buddhism and so on and uh, you know even subtle um beautiful states of mind we can enter into. But the whole process of cultivation is one where we are, you know, in a way, 
we are definitely doing some work to refine our carrots and to get the most refined kind of carrot but then also in the doing of that to, to recognize what it the whole process and what's doing it rather like understanding the cause and effect of meditation and beginning to step back from that and just w- what is it that does this thing what is it that wants what is it that is aware of this very process not that I should even stop doing it but just mm. and as you sensitize to that there is a stopping not because we decide to stop but just to sensitize to the awareness that's there with this it's like you know there is a stopping occurs so there's wisdom arises with that or realization and wisdom itself is really based upon this kind of understanding of cause and effect and the way out of cause and effect ordinarily um, there's me and I'm trying to get away from the un- from suffering I'm trying to get away from external <coughs> suffering I'm trying to get away from internal suffering I'm trying to get away from potential suffering in the future I'm trying to get away from the residues of suffering in the past you know and when I'm feeling pain I really want to find a way I can get away from that hurt you know me being hurt by something I want to get away from that separate myself from that painful stuff but the true noble wisdom sees that self can't get away from pain I can't get but there can be awareness can come out of that that lock To be born is to is to say you're going to get hurt. Mm. Because of feeling. And there's three kinds of feeling and only one of them is really good. <laughs> so, I don't like that. But just to sort of be able to, this is the, sense of you know we're coming out of the sense of self of identifying with that which struggles and feels um, beset and fed up with it all there's that what's that who is that who suffers and admittedly you know to this kind of cultivation of this perspective is based upon Noble wisdom, a noble concentration, a noble virtue. You know that there's got to be enough happiness and skill and composure and calm before we can, you know, have enough um, stillness in us, enough composure to be able to take that step back and see one's sense of unsatisfied and one's trying to make things. Ready, prepared for the future, trying to get to some state or another where it will be all right.
So we take this to the uh, kind of our internal process of my meditation, how perfected is it? And and what should it be? Just acknowledging. As long as there's some object that you seek or object that you have, it's another carrot and donkey experience. And it really the the uh, um, fruition of wisdom is to be able to understand the rel- relinquishment and to perfect the relinquishment of these formations, the activities and the perceptions, the feelings, the forms. By seeing the the unaccomplishment of activity, you know, it's a relative accomplishment and no final accomplishment in activity. Um, no final satisfaction in the most luminous perception or meaning or impression that arises. So there can be a coming out of that, out of the, the fever to make that. And what is it that can do that? The sense of... um, So in in meditation and in cultivating, then there's both the process of making of good work, making it feel good, the samatha process, and then the insight process, which is based really upon seeing the changeability of all things and the growing dispassion. So that that is the that is the path of insight. Is that sense of it's based upon that particular those particular characteristics. So that one starts to come out of that, you know, ongoing. Make it, you know, the good one, the bad one, the not so good. It could be like this, that kind of thing. You sort of come out of that. It's rather like, you know, where where is realization? It's rather like um, I was looking at my window, this very big window in my puti, which I very much enjoy. Windows, I really like. Most any building is okay as long as it's got windows. <laughs> so, I'd hate to live in a building that didn't have windows in it, that sense of kind of possibility of openness and something about it I feel very, really enjoy <laughs> that sense, you know. And there's also something kind of incredibly uh, ambiguous about windows because they both see but they also protect, don't they? They screen out, they stop the rain coming in, they work, and yet you can see. So they're both screening and yet clarifying, you know. And they frame things up. If you didn't have the frame, you wouldn't be able to say, oh, that's a nice view, because you can see this, the, the window kind of sets it all up for you. And um, sometimes when I, I just sit there looking at my window, 
looking at the window and looking out the window and just looking at myself looking at the window <laughs> what's he doing? what are you looking for? <laughs> out the window I'm not looking for anything really just, just looking <laughs> You know, there's rain and there's birds and trees and then there's kind of smears on the glass and then you know bits of could be polished a bit better and then I just start to see this light pouring in with all of it you know with the, you know you, you don't really see the light you see the birds you see the trees you see the rain you see the smears on the glass you see the frame you see the curtain you see the shape triangular shape, a square shape, a rectangular shape, anything. And you step back, it's light. What shape is light? What colour is light? You know, where where does where is light? You know? Well it's it's everywhere, isn't it? But you, you had to have a window to really see it, focus on it. Uh, and I so just it's, it's kind of reflecting on that as a, as a, what practice is about meditation it's like you know you, the frame is a form and uh, and then you can you can actually um, you know if you've just noticed the form looking at the f- then that wouldn't be really it would it be needed a form you need some kind of meditative form to hold things but that isn't really the point. And yet, if you didn't have the frame there, you, you know, you wouldn't have a window. You wouldn't get a sense of perspective and clarity. So you need it. That isn't quite the point. You don't get obsessed with it. You just get a decent frame. And then, you know, you have glass in it, and you need to keep the glass reasonably clean so it doesn't get all smeared and specky and grubby. So you have to cl- polish it. If you just kept polishing all day, you know, you really wouldn't get the sense of, you know, being able to you know, see the when you just be absorbed into the quality of glass, which is always getting smeared. You know, you polish it one day, it gets smeared the next day. Um, so it's like that, isn't it? And, you know, you can recognise even when glass is tinted, there's still the light comes through. So, you know, if one were one develops a sense of perspective on the whole on the window itself, it's rather like you don't get absorbed into the frame, you don't get absorbed into the quality of the glass, you don't get absorbed into polishing it, you don't get fretful over the over that don't even get absorbed into what's outside the window you know the objects beyond that beyond that glass it gives the sense of appreciating how light streams in comes streaming in and it could be blue light or green light depending on the tint of the glass and it will still be light and so uh, Consciousness is the glass, yeah. which may have tints in it. When the way our consciousness is, and it is tinted to 
these six sense bases. It's got that, everything comes in through these six sense bases, it's got this tint to it. Yet, behind that, or within that, in the seeing, in the hearing, in the touching, there is this quality of pure awareness within consciousness. So, we call it sometimes the knowing, or the awareness of, and it's not the tint, and yet it's not without the tint. And no matter how hard you try, you can't really, you know, rub, <laughs> rub the glass out. <laughs> Eventually, it, it, you know, disappears, like with the ending of this life. But you had to review, even within this uh, framed, formulated uh, experience, which is getting spattered with objects and stains and getting cleaned. There is innately this quality of light. And this is something we really only fully appreciate when we have done enough cleaning to be able to just sit and enjoy the view. And know what it is that can do that, that does that, what it feels like, the resting from calmer activities.